the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Stephen Wilhelm. Stephen Wilhelm <laughs> is back, everybody. <laughs> welcome, Stephen. Patreon extraordinaire. Remind everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm a Midwestern person. I'm Illinois through and through. Uh, love all things nostalgia, all things 90s. Um, it's what I grew up with. Still dabble in all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, as you've, if you've listened to a previous podcast, I love Michael Michael Jackson. Yeah, uh, we did a top I 10. Am, I am right up there with, with, with Adam. And yeah, I just love all things nostalgia. Yeah, and I remember uh, last time I went to a... Um Michael Jackson tribute band concert. I was like sending you pics and being like, yeah. "Oh, that was so good." <laughs> was good that in, was that in Vegas? No, no, that no. was in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, it was oh, in yeah. Atlanta. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. Uh, but I mean, they I have been to the the Cirque show, uh, the Michael Jackson experience. They have now. It's a. It was when it was a touring show, uh, but now it's like a full time show. Always in Vegas, I believe. Is that right, John? Yes and no. The touring show and the and the show here are actually two different shows. Okay, because I all right, then that make me I might want to watch the Vegas show because I actually didn't care for the traveling show that much. I didn't. I watched it too, and I also didn't care for the traveling show. I've actually not seen the one that is here, but I do know that it is a different production. Okay, because the thing like we're both Cirque du Soleil fans, you know, we're all Michael Jackson fans, Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel they did a good enough job integrating the MJ music into like what is Cirque, and it just kind of felt off and so okay that gives me hope so maybe i'll listen to that or watch that one and be like um and and see if they've kind of like you know let them meld a little bit better all right cool and and don't they have a broadway also i think i I think i saw like a broadway play that there was it was either being out last year i think it was i've seen like ads for it Uh uh-huh i i would not be surprised i don't know it off the top of my head but i yeah yeah, probably there. Uh, besides that, we also talked. Um, was it Office Space that we talked? We did Office Space. Yep. Um, we've done a lot of more set. Jake yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, that was the last one. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. You've gone through the gamut. You've done all three types, and so you've come back to uh, the movie and TV type. So we haven't even discussed what we're discussing today, <laughs> and we got a fun one. We have got an action-packed. Murder mayhem. The kill count is high on this episode, I will have to say. (laughs) We are discussing the Nick Cage classic, Con Air, and we are talking Dexter. Uh, So the kind of later 2000s, the mid-90s, mid to late 90s, mid to late uh, 2000s property for Dexter. And we are going to be doing a recasting of Con Air, uh, which I am really excited about. I think it's a fun one. I think it's a fun Mm -hmm. one to recast, so I think it's a really great call. So we're going to get your kind of discussions as to why we are picking these properties at that time, or we're discussing each of those. Uh, the Con Air, though, came out in 1997. I know this is a good year. John, you got to tell me what kind of fun stuff was happening in 1997. All right. So the film was released on June 6th, 1997, the Billboard Top 100 single for that week. Gentlemen, it's a banger. I'm talking Mbop by Hanson.
Ah! Yeah, it gets stuck in the head. So, that's good. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings was uh, Seinfeld. No surprise there. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I like Seinfeld. <laughs> I like Seinfeld. I just didn't watch all of it. I was more of a Friends person, so. Well, you don't, you don't need to watch all of Seinfeld. You can just listen to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> the, hey, cheap, cheap plug, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, for about a month, uh, one of the kind of popular video, video games that was actually for uh, PC uh, was Star Wars X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. So kind of I a flight, flight simulator. Game. I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, I've not really played that particular one. I have played the original TIE Fighter game because I had a good uh-huh. buddy in high school who had that on his computer and I played that and I was horrible at it. Okay. Um, but I, I, I do enjoy those things. Also, like I'm like an Empire guy, so... Anything related to Tie Fighters, I love. So, uh huh. I mean, their physics don't make any sense, though, when you really think about it. <laughs> well, it's space. There's no, there, there's no, there are no a, physics in space. Sure, sure. That's, a, that's not true, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called "The Partner" by John Grisham. Okay. Uh, not not one of his more popular ones that I know of. I don't. Actually, I don't, know I don't remember if this one was made into a movie or not. I assume it's a like a legal lawsuit drama. Of course it is. Of course it is. And my fun fact for 1997, uh, April 1st this year was known as the Great Comic Switcheroo. It was a massive practical joke in which several, 46 artists uh, actually participated in this. Uh, Comic strip writers and artists, without the knowledge of their editors, traded strips for a day. What? So a bunch of talking comic strips, not comic books. Yeah. So a bunch of comic strip artists and writers basically (laughs) wrote for, uh, they all got together and decided who was going to switch with who. And then they all put it out on April Fool's Day and then told everyone, oh yeah, by the way, this was all a big thing. So like the writer for Calvin and Hobbes might have written for like Peanuts or something that week or some shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and that was 1997. All right. That sounds fantastic. Uh, now, it's time to put the bunny back in the box, and <laughs> we're going to talk some Con Air. Con Air 1997, directed by Simon West. Simon West also directed the Laura Croft Tomb Raider film, uh, The General's Daughter, Expendables 2, and also, probably most importantly, directed the Rick Astley Never Gonna Give You Up music video. Classic. That's essential. <laughs> exactly. And they, honestly, that was just a, you know, so I could rickroll everybody out there. Because <laughs> you know I'm dropping that in. All right. Uh, this movie was written by Scott Rosenberg, who also wrote Gone in 60 Seconds, Kangaroo Jack. Uh, more recently, uh, Venom. I don't, I can't remember if it was the, the sequel to Venom, but the first Venom at least. And also both Jumanji sequels. Uh, and and I'm gotta not going to lie, those two Jumanji sequels are pretty pretty bangers of movies right there. Yeah, those are pretty good. I haven't seen the second one yet. I need to see the second one still. 
it's enjoyable. It's not as good as the first, but it is still an enjoyable film. It's it's a fun. It's a fun yeah. adventure. Yeah. Uh, cinematography uh, for this film was done by David Tattersall, who did awesome films like The Green Mile, um, mm. did a, a slew of young Indiana Jones TV movies, but also as a cinematographer, pretty impressive, did all of the Star Wars prequels, which is pretty cool. Oh, Even though I mean, they're not, I mean, is it, not the is writer. It though? <laughs> I mean, I would knock the writer, <laughs> George okay. Lucas, but I wouldn't knock the cinematographer so much for those. It, so, it, was, visu- it was visually stunning. I will give you yes. that. Yes. <laughs> All right. The boo was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, music was done by Mark Mancina and Trevor Rabin. Uh, between them, they had done things like Speed, uh, the Bad Boys franchise, Twister, Training Day, Armageddon, Enemy of the State, Remember the Titans, and many, many more. So, uh, solid score, uh, or solid composers for this film. And I definitely got to mention that it was produced uh, by Jerry Brockheimer, who is an all-time great producer, like one of the big action producers. Like, you know, I'd say there's Michael Bay and Jerry Brockheimer, two of the biggest, like, action producers. Uh, Armageddon, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Remember the Titans, Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, uh, Beverly Hills Cop franchise, Bad Boys franchise. There's much, much more Mm -hmm. from Jerry Brockheimer. So let's get into the cast. Cameron Poe was played by Nick Cage of Face Off, The Rock, Raising Arizona. It, you know Nick Cage, obviously. He's, uh, <laughs> and I've heard that, that that recent movie, though, is the unbearable weight of, you know, excruciating fame. I can't oh. remember what it, I heard that was quite good. I need I need to check that out, though. I've also he heard plays himself, good. right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So like a, like a fictionalized version of himself, something that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, there's something to, that I really want to really want to watch. But uh, all right. U.S. Marshal Vince Larkin was played by John Cusack, who we know from G- Gross Point Blank, High Fidelity, Say Anything and Being John Malkovich. Speaking of John Malkovich, uh, Cyrus the Virus was played by John Malkovich, who was in Being John Malkovich, as well as Red Rounders, a whole bunch of stuff for him as well. Uh, Garland the Marietta Mangler Green was played by Steve Buscemi, which we know from Armageddon, Big Lebowski, Fargo, Reservoir Dogs, whole bunch of stuff. Nathan Diamond Dog Jones was played by Ving Rhames. Uh, you know him from Pulp Fiction, Mission Impossible, and those Arby's We Have the Meats commercials. <laughs> That's his voice on those. <laughs> so, uh, Agent Duncan Malloy. Uh, is played by Colum Meany. Uh, John and I talked about him before. He has been on Star Trek Deep Space, Ma- Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Next Generation as well mm-hmm. for some episodes. Under Siege, uh, Last of the Mohicans. He's been in quite a bit of stuff. Really Far and Away, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I think he is uh, an asshole. Yeah, he, he, yeah he, he was the guy that was, he was the boxing manager, right? For, yeah. For yeah, Tom so. Cruise in that movie. That was it. That and was I, think, it. I think it's just Calm. Calm, calm, calm. No, it's not calm. I'm pretty sure it's just calm, meanie. Calm, meanie. Thank you. Like, thank like you calm, like C A L M, but with okay. an O. He seems to be more of like a like a character actor instead of like a main guy. Yes, I'm not mistaken. he is. He is for sure. He is. He plays a great asshole. Like that's kind of what he does. Oh yeah, <laughs> he absolutely does. And we'll get into that I'm sure into the yep. review. But in the castings, that was one of the things I could. I literally typed in. Um, 
actors who play assholes. Like I was, I was trying to look for different people. I did the same thing, but with douchebag. Douchebag. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, and then two others I want to mention. Uh, Mike Baby O Odell was played by Mikelty or Mikelty Williamson. Uh, most people would know him from Bubba or so from Forrest Gump. He played Bubba, Bubba, uh, you know, from Bubba Gump in right. in Forrest Gump. He was also in Fences and Free Willy and plenty of stuff. Uh, and Joe Pinball Parker was played by Dave Chappelle, who we talked about in Half Baked. He's also had obviously the Chappelle Show and his stand up career. And I think he is probably my favorite stand up comedian who has kind of been doing stuff over the last ten years. I think he's awesome. Uh, this film had a budget of $75 million, and the box office was $224 million. Uh, so this was a very successful summer blockbuster. It came out in June, I think, John, you mentioned. And it is just like, you know, it's a feels like a classic summer blockbuster action film. So, Stephen, I, you know, I want to know, you were the one who chose this episode. Why are we talking Con Air? So, um... In 97, I was a sophomore, and so, like, I was huge into um, my two favorite movies from that time era, Face Off and Con Air. I just love Nicolas Cage. He was phenomenal at that. That was kind of, like, I feel like that was kind of his, his not peak, but he was very in in the know, and people loved mm-hmm. him. And I just loved the action of it. John Malkovich, I don't really, haven't really seen a lot of his other films, but... I just love Cyber Survivors in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I rewatched it, I found a lot of other things. I was like, oh, I forgot about that part. Or, ooh, that part was really cool. And I just think it was just a really, it was cheesy, but it was really well done. <laughs> it was definitely over the top in parts, mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I just think it has, uh, it really has a nostalgic feel for me. Sure. Okay. And John, what do you remember about Con Air from when you were younger? I don't. What? I had never seen this movie all the way through until now. Wow, that surprises me. I'd only seen parts of it, bits and pieces. It's been on like TNT and whatnot every, you know, often enough. So, you know, you probably picked it up there or things like that. Yeah. So, interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I definitely... I. I think I owned it at one point. I don't own it anymore because I, I have I've lent out DVDs to a lot of people, um, <laughs> or I've just kind of accidentally left them through my many many moves. But I I definitely enjoyed this film, you know, kind of around that time it came out, and afterwards, I like kind of in college, you know, it's just one of those kind of popcorn flicks that I remember. Yes, and so it was one of those that you could just turn your turn your brain off. Yeah, sit back, enjoy a good hour and a half. I forgot how long it is. Hour and a half time frame, and I know I had the VHS of this. Like I had the VHS, and I watched it through and through all the, all the time. Between that and Face Off, I watched those two movies so much. But that was back in 1997. How do you feel in 2022? We're gonna figure that out. We're gonna start with our scene by scene breakdown. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's start off. The film opens with Nick Cage. And he's uh, finishing his duties as an army ranger. You know, he's getting all things finished up. And we get the song, How Do I Live? by Trisha Yearwood. How do I get through one night without you? If I had to live without you, what kind of life would 
Oh my god, does that song kind of throw me back and just the way they kind of use it heavy-handedly in this movie, I'll say. <laughs> it was a bit like, holy crap, this is definitely the late 90s. So I learned something kind of interesting about the song. See, when you say that song, I immediately go to Leanne Rhymes, oh. who also released this song. And as it turned out, she was, Leanne Rhymes originally recorded it for the movie, but the producers didn't feel like having like a 16-year-old girl uh, sing the song for this. What I just didn't fit. So they had Trisha Yearwood uh, re-record it. But they ended up both releasing it at the same time. But Trisha Yearwood's climbed up the country charts and Leanne Rimes climbed up the pop charts. Oh, okay, okay. With it. But both of them went out at the same time. I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, I actually just heard that recently too. Yeah, that was I found it really interesting that it was that they that they both recorded it at the and they released it at the same time on both their albums. Mm-hmm. And it went two complete different directions hmm. in yeah. the chart wise. I, I honestly I don't really remember Leanne Rhymes' version for some reason. I bet I think, if you heard it you would. I, yeah. What kind of life would that be? Oh, I, I need you in my arms, need you Yeah, it was definitely a very cheesy, cheesy opening with the whole uh, yes. him coming <laughs> coming home or going to the bar. And I was like, but you know what? I really love that part of it. I really love that okay. it was cheesy and over the top. Yeah. So Poe returns to home to his beautiful wife who is now pregnant. Uh, played by Monica Potter. Uh, she has been in Parenthood. She's been in Saw, Parenthood, the show, I believe, not the movie that John and I discussed. Uh, Saw, Patch Adams, plenty of stuff. There is an elephant in this room, and we're going to talk about it right now. And that elephant is Nick Cage's southern accent. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It- and he apparently went to Alabama to learn this oh. accent. See, it's, I don't have any. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't have a leg in this because it's hilarious. I'm out. So, <laughs> to me, it it felt right because I, that's all I know. But for mm-hmm. you two, from being from de- from down down in Georgia, uh-huh. you guys know that very well. It. I mean, it came across as a northerner doing a hick southern accent to me. Oh my yes. Gosh. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it's like a caricature. It's a caricature voice. It's so obviously fake. But, it, you know, I try to lean into it as the cheese factor. There is definitely a draping of cheese on this film. And I just <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to just accept that. But I will tell you, rewatching this, it's been a while for me. It's probably been probably 15 years or so since I've seen the film. Um, I mean, wow. I definitely I watched it a good few times but it's it's been a while and hearing that accent it was almost piercing how bad it was <laughs> so tell us how tell us how you really feel adam i mean it hurts and i and i'm i'm i'm, I'm the only one living in the south uh amongst the three of us i mean i honestly don't hear an, an accent on your end well i don't i don't have an accent because my parents are from iowa and i uh-huh. kind of grew up in the suburbs where it's really it's not accent heavy uh, but it doesn't mean I'm 
not around. Now I currently live in a, a little bit slightly more uh, rural esque area. It's not like a metropolis that I'm in. I'm in a t- I'm in a city of thirty thousand people, and it is a little bit more southern sounding. But even then, the accents just <laughs> it's painful. So, all right, but. Um, we hear about different kind of little hints from his wife that Poe can be kind of violent. He, you know, he kind of, oh, you used to be this guy, you know, and you put that guy behind you. Um, you know, he's, he's had these fits of rage before, things like that. But then these drunk assholes uh, who, honestly, I found it hilarious. All right. Here are these hardcore, like, southern, you know, you would assume kind of. Republican-y kind of like that right-wing kind of mentality, which I have no problems with. I, I, I have no... I'm I'm pretty much dead fucking center. I can tell you that. And so I try to be open to all this stuff. But how they see this army ranger and they're like, fuck you, you damn military ranger! And I'm just like, wait a minute. The reason why we lost Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, the reason we lost Vietnam! And it's like, wait a minute. That is goes totally against the kind of like, you know... Right wing, uh, you know, be proud and love your military above all else. It was just, it just felt very funny to me and very different. And that is a different, actually, you know what? At, there might have been that mentality at one point of all oh, these pussies is what who lost Vietnam at one point. It totally switched, like after Reagan, probably, I think it was kind of like it was always, it became like a um, mentality of, you know, uh, proud to be an American and, you know, uh, uh, make sure you support, support the vets, support the, support the troops kind of thing. Well, we had, well, we had just come off of the Gulf War too. Sure. Oh yeah. And that was another disaster. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd call the Gulf War a disaster. Yeah, no, it's not a disaster, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a it wasn't a coming together, successful military operation. Like, World War II is a the entire country banded together for that kind of thing, um, not for like the Gulf War. True, but also like the Gulf War lasted like all of like two months. Sure. And we as a nation were never really in threat. I mean, we went in because another country was invaded. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kuwait, it, right? Yeah, because yeah, Kuwait, Kuwait was, was invaded by Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah, but it was. But it wasn't. Yeah, it, not it wasn't the time era. But that was that. That was that time of the nineties yeah. when it was still kind of fresh. I guess. Sure, sure. It was. It was okay to not like. Well, and I, I guess you're right. Like after twenty, after nine eleven, that's when like ultra patriotism, like really kind of set set foot. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. So okay. All right, anyway, moving on yeah. from that political discussion, let's get back to something <laughs> that's really not that political. It's just dumb, and that's Con Air. Um, so, these drunk assholes, and they they talk about it, they talk shit to him and whatnot, and this scene, though, holy shit, where they start, like, yes. coming after him, the, dra- the drama of the rain and the fight, it was just like, <laughs> it got, it was so intense. It was, I mean, it kind of felt Michael Bay-like to me, because it was just like, there was even, like, spots of, like, a... Uh, uh, spurts of fire from like an oil rig behind them and they were fighting in the rain it got so dramatic uh, Poe ends up killing somebody kind of doing like the uh, palm fist up to the nose and killing this guy that yeah. way and so um, we cut to the trial and Poe pleads guilty to manslaughter which is bullshit because it was clear self defense clearly yes. self defense no, no no prosecutor would have looked at that and be like oh yeah i can get him in like that that would have that was clear self defense of like 3 to 4 against 1 
And yeah, he's a trained person, but like he defended himself and this guy happened to get killed. I agree with you. That's one all- thing I did notice though was that if you if if you if you notice if you walked off to Hasino more, uh one of the guys took the knife off the ground and ran with it. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm thinking that's kind of where they were going. Yeah, but why they got the manslaughter. There was also still a witness, his wife was there, the I yeah. mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm still gonna call bullshit. Also, the whole thing about you are a trained weapon—that's also not a, a legal excuse uh, for anything. Self-defense is self-defense, whether you're trained or not. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I would feel they would probably lean towards the side of a sober, trained military person over three people who were drunk as a skunk that night. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, but. Because he uh, he ended up killing that man, he is sentenced to federal prison for seven to ten years, and we end up getting uh, some story through narration and kind of him going over letters. And again, I wrote down that fucking accent <laughs> as he's just as he's just talking. I'm Poe, Cameron Poe. Dear Casey, hopefully this finds you still going to the first grade. School is very important. Uh, it's eight years later, and it's come as, and it's come to his time. He's getting parole, and he's gonna so be. So I set- have something real hmm. quick about that whole sure. montage. How the hell did that riot start? Oh, I know. You see, like you know, riots in the background, but he's being a good guy and staying in yes. there. We yeah. <laughs> that know. just came out of the blue. Yeah, just gets a, ri- a random ride. But it, it really is just meant to show that Poe's a, st- a stand-up guy. He's yeah. not going to. He's going to follow his rules and stay in his cell. So we find out, you know, Cameron Poe is leaving. And his friend Baby-O, who is diabetic, is traveling with him. Uh, I, I can't remember. They probably said he's just getting transferred to another. Because he's not getting set free. I think he's getting transferred to a uh, more getting medical transferred hospital. To the new. Yeah. So... We do we find out how I'm sorry. Um, can we say how can we can we announce how how jacked Nicholas Cage was when he was doing those uh, upside <laughs> the down pull ups push ups? Oh, yeah. Those, yeah. He looked good. I mean, that was definitely not fake. Like he was no. he was doing those upside down push ups. Sure. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, he definitely he definitely got himself into shape for this role. Um, he didn't have a barber, though, at all. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> God. Mullet. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, anyway, um, we found out that there are other prisoners who are also going to be transported uh, via this plane, and they're like the worst of the worst. And we meet other agents who are going to be working on the transportation, as I mentioned, Larkin and Malloy, et cetera, et cetera. And we also find out an undercover agent is going to be joining them. So uh, Marshall Larkin is going to go all go over all the terrible people in this flight. And we get a kind of dramatic rundown of here's Cyrus the virus and he did this and this and this. And here's Diamond Dog and he's yada, yada, yada. I, I like that. It was, a, it was a fun little like it did again felt cheesy, uh, but it felt like you're getting like this just like it's almost yeah almost like a, a a cheesy cartoon show or or um video game of like you're getting the stats of all these people and just how bad they are i mean it was it was exposition just done well quickly i would say it was very bruckheimer-esque yeah sure so uh poe gets uh, a picture of his daughter taken from him from this kind of asshole guard you know he's keeping a picture that's my daughter uh keeping her in this plane but he's not happy about it and he's like i'm gonna get that back and he's like you know the asshole guard is like no you're fucking not whatever it was is you know we'll see what happens on you're that you're gonna tell me what's gonna happen yeah 
exactly. He's just, you know, he's a hard-ass guard. We uh, get to the plane, and Agent Malloy, calm, right? Uh-huh. Calm, meanie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he decides to give his undercover agent, who is a terrible undercover agent, I will yes. say. We will get to that spot. Uh, give him a gun because he believes he should have a gun where the Mar- U.S. Marshals don't don't want anyone else to have a gun, um, even though he's not supposed to. So, uh, about to start the flight and whatnot, we also meet Johnny23, uh, named so because of his 23 counts of rape that he has done, and it's Danny Trejo. It's nice to see him. You know, mm-hmm. I do love Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember hearing, I don't know what the truth is behind it, but I remember hearing that, like, Danny Trejo is all good. He loves playing like these kind of, you know, dark people, but he wants them to all die because he also kind of wants to show his fans out there that these bad people will get their comeuppance kind of thing. You know, he, Danny Trejo seems like one of the, like the coolest, nicest dudes. And I I would love to meet him. I've never eaten at his taco uh, restaurants in, in LA, but he just seems like a straight up awesome dude to me. He looked really young in this one particularly. I mean, he did. Yeah, comparative to how we, you know, how we typically see him. So, all right. Uh, so we do see that some of the prisoners have hid pins in their palm that they're using to pick the their handcuffs. A uh, pinball even hid matches down his throat, and he sends some lighter fluid, which he squirts on the guy next to him, <laughs> lights him ablaze. Um, and you know, in all the the madness, he ends up stealing keys, and he gets those worst guys free. So Cyrus the virus. Um, you know, all the all the terrible guys. He, he opens up their cages. They get them out. This is way they've already gone up in the air by this time. Um, and also in the madness, Baby O, who is diabetic, as mentioned, uh, his insulin is broken. And he's just, oh, no, he can't, you know, he can't do well without his insulin. And Cyrus the virus uh, kills the co-captain and steals his gun and gives us an amazing line. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. Yes. <laughs> love it. Love it I when love they say that. Yeah, they made them say the name of the movie. It's good shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I loved uh, how uh, uh, Pinball, when he looked over at, uh, at at the guy, he goes, I hope, I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy's like, what the fuck are you doing? Exactly. Pin, pinball's an asshole. He's a, he's also a bit of a lackey. Um, I like how Dave Chappelle kind of played him uh, in this one. So it was. Fun. I mean, know that like Chappelle was he was a really good comic relief in that in that position. There, like mm-hmm. I think that's what he was brought in for. Yeah. yeah, he was brought in to be a bad guy and, and a douche. But he was, I think, he was more for the comic side. Yes, of it. I agree. I agree. Because was that uh, also around the Chappelle show time? Uh, Chappelle no. show, I believe, started 2000s. in like. 2001 or 2000? Yeah, 2001 like or 2002, I think. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, so yeah. Before that time. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So now that the uh, prisoners have kind of taken over, Johnny23 is about to rape this female guard, uh, but Poe does stop it because Poe is an honorable man. You know, we know as an audience member that he is there to just go home and he has spent his time and he's an honorable dude, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of talking his way through this crowd of uh, terrible people that, you know, he kind of, he's, he's hiding his own tracks. Uh, we find out that he's 
uh, that the that the whole flight plans to kind of continue the flight because they have to go to Carson City to do this drop off. If they don't go there, then they'll get found out. So they're going to kind of do that. Um, they have this whole thing planned out. Everything. Cyrus has got this all this shit really planned out. And there's this guy, another person on the flight uh, who will be bankrolling it. Uh, someone who that they'll pick up in Carson City and they're going to bankroll all this situation. Adam, did you recognize the female guard? I felt like I should have, but I did not. She was the female lead in Total Recall. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, um, yeah, the 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 woman who he finds that he meets on Mars. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Makes sense. I just find it very interesting that um, when when they first all get uh, seated and uh, Trejo is talking to uh, uh, Bishop about how he's gonna make her number 24 or whatever. Uh-huh. And I loved how Cyrus turns to him and was like, dude, you disgust me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I found out how, like, I, I found out how some criminals have disgust for other kind of criminals mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, like, like, every man has their code. Even these yeah. terrible people, like, you know, yeah, Cyrus will steal and rob and kill, but he won't rape, you know, yeah. and that kind of thing. So it is interesting. So at this point, it's kind of a little bit Bedlam, the cop or the uh, convicts have taken over. It's at this point, once he's uncuffed, pinballs going around, you know, uncuffing everybody. The second he's uncuffed, the DEA agent who was undercover decides to pull off right then and there. I got this gun <laughs> and use pinball as a fucking shield to try and like take down uh, Cyrus, as opposed to. To what any inte- I feel any intelligent undercover agent would have taken their time and tried to assess the situation and like gotten alone with Cyrus or gotten to like a much better situation. This guy panicked and he went nuts and he he deserved to die. I'm not I'm throwing yeah. it out there. He was a shitty agent, deserved to die. Yeah. yeah. So, so, all right, uh, Marshall Larkin. And uh, the guards are kind of looking over Cyrus the Vice's, Virus's cell at this point. Um, we go back to the plane, Cameron. Uh, we get to Carson City. And Cameron was about to get off because there was a way for some of them to get off uh, the plane because they had to do some, like, some people off, some people on. He decides to stay because he's trying to help Baby O and the female guard because he doesn't want to leave them alone because Baby O is, you know, all diabetic and can't do anything for himself right now because he's about to go into diabetic shock or getting close to that and the female guard is <laughs> hung up and she might get raped and killed etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but what he does do is uh, he kind of well first he gets his picture back from that asshole guard who they kind of bound and gag and cover up with uh, uh, you know they, they gag him and bag him as they call it um, so he gets that back and he does put a little tape recorder into uh, his shirt to try and like send a message to anybody that hey this shit's happening because as of right now nobody out there in the real world really knows what's going on so the uh, prisoner transfer happens smoothly and here we meet swamp thing who comes in and so killing the uh the pilots and getting rid of some of the other pilots um isn't a big deal because swamp thing kind of comes in and he can he's just another one of the you know uh, the convicts, the one of these new convicts, he does the, can do the flying. Uh, Pinball has to go out to put a transponder that was on their plane onto a different little, like small uh, Cessna, like a little Bob's. just you know sightseeing, <laughs> yeah, scenic <laughs> views or whatever it is. <laughs> exactly, he puts on there, but he gets distracted by uh, you know a cute lady and starts flirting with her. 
and then also we get one more addition. This Silence of the Lambs looking motherfucker, Garland Green, <laughs> gets pretty much pulled in, chained and masked and all this stuff. And I, I do really like this character. I'm glad we're going to be recasting him because um, Garland Green. I mean, Steve Buscemi is a creepy looking motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. And he he has a great look for like a like a weird serial killer kind of guy. And I, I think it's just wonderful grab, wonderful casting on that part. Um, because he does, he kind of seems harmless because he's like scrawny and, you know, physically he's not imposing. But when it comes to, you look at his face, it's just like, holy fuck, you have, yeah, no morals. You're a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, came, so. he came in with like a Hannibal kind of feel. Yeah, absolutely. So, and they play that up and I think it's a lot of fun. Um, until it's not fun and it's really kind of creepy and you realize this guy's free by the end, but, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, all right. Uh, and then a dumb bomb, a dumb guard, um, opens a bomb in Cyrus the virus's cell phone and blows up and they find something stashed, uh, you know, uh, you know, this whole thing, uh, a whole plans from the plane were stashed in like this one area, uh, that was kind of like, you know, it was, it was fake um well, cement well, before that kind of shit. the bomb though they had found the last supper uh photos with yes, the cut out and that's they were when, finding all this stuff yeah and that's when agent larkin found out that it's going to be that, that carson city had something to do with it sure and sure. then he started running out and then they the dumbass opened the box and said do not open <laughs> yeah there's a lot of intercutting and i was kind of like trying to figure out how i wanted because you know sometimes I prefer to just like, you know, have a scene and then I can write it all down and then they go another scene. But they did. A, I mean, this was a lot of fast paced action. All right. Larkin at the cell and then back to the plane and then back to Larkin in the cell. And back. <laughs> so I didn't write every all of it down. But yeah, absolutely. So they were kind of moving in tandem as the plane was kind of getting hijacked and all this insanity. Larkin was kind of eventually finding this stuff out. And then the guy, the guy blows up uh, from opening, you know, in the cell. Uh, Cyrus of Us is uh, sell stuff. A Carson City guard ends up finding the tape recorder that Poe put in uh, from the plane. And you would think for a second that the guards are going to come stop him, but the plane is able to get off on time. Uh, but unfortunately, Pinball, who tried to run, and I do love nice little comeuppance for him, he was about on the side of the plane saying, hey, you know, banging on the window let me in and it's the guy who got he he who he lit on fire just kind of saw oh geez just saw him on the side and just laughed and he uh did not make it back in the plane we'll say we'll find out a little bit later what happened so uh d the dea agent or uh malloy and larkin uh yell at each other about whose fault it is and all this kind of shit um i i do love malloy i think it's malloy's line who says Situation's never been contemplated. Well, you better start contemplating, because this is a situation that needs to get unfucked right now. I like that term, unfucked. Yeah. I want to use that a lot more. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, they end up radioing the plane, but Cyrus ends up giving them nothing. You know, he's not helping them out, and um, you know, they've taken over, and Larkin starts to piece together that. Poe was actually an ally on the plane. You know, he's seeing all the people who are on there and realizing that he tried to help them out. Um, but Malloy is not hearing any of that bullshit. They're all just terrible degenerates. And so he wants to get a attack chopper to go after the plane. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to follow the transponder and he's going to go attack, uh, attack them. So that'll be the plan. Uh, the plane, though, is going too slowly, according to Swamp Thing. And so they have... Cameron or they have Poe go check out the landing gear 
And when he goes down there, he finds Pinball is caught up in the landing gear. That's how he got stuck and how he died. So he's down there with Diamond Dog. And while Diamond Dog is kind of distracted, Poe grabs a Sharpie and is able to write a quick message on Pinball's shirt and then shoves him out of the plane. I kind of forgot. How did he know U.S. Marshal Larkin? Did he hear the name before he got on the plane? I was just thinking that, too. I don't remember how he knew Larkin. Because he called him out in the note. Yeah. And I just don't remember. How did he know to call out Larkin that Larkin was in charge? Maybe they said something earlier. Because there are a couple times, honestly, in this movie that characters know things that they honestly shouldn't know unless yeah. they've watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that felt like one of them. But but OK, we'll just allow it. That's not a loophole. That's not one of those like twist, like those plot points that you're like, how, what? Yeah, because there was there was another one later, and I think I pointed out, but um, yeah, it's just it just like, wait a minute, how did you know? How did you know that was a thing? Like you weren't on the plane with the convicts, <laughs> Larkin. How did you know that that was a thing? Um, but but whatever. Oh no, that wasn't it. That was uh, it. Was Larkin knew that. The DEA agent had a gun on the plane. He's, he he yells at Malloy about it, but yeah. like, how would he know? Like, no one fucking told him. Like, the convicts aren't telling him this kind of shit. Like, uh, how did he figure oh, yeah. that out? <laughs> but it's like that. That was exactly it. like. Where did you piece? Unless you watched this movie up until this point, you wouldn't know that. You would just assume that they killed him or something. Not that he necessarily had a gun too. So, uh, anyway, sorry that was it. So. Not a big deal, but <laughs> just those little things. Uh, as Pinball falls to the ground, uh, we do get a nice little thing of these kind of this old couple uh, who is in a car and they're kind of complaining, talking about this stuff. And his body lands on their car uh, and crashes it. And that's how he gets found out. John, did you recognize the uh, the the older male driver? I did. I can't remember who it was. I just remember I remember recognizing him, and then I now I can't tell you who it was. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember his name either. Um, but for me and for most people, maybe not for most people, but I remember him best because we talked about the movie League of Their Own. He was the race oh, scene manager. It's Don S. The- Davies. That's who it is. Don oh, S. Davis. Okay. All f- yeah. better known for me as um, um, as General. Um, oh God! See now I can't think of anything anymore. Um, General, General Hammond. Grievous. No, General Hammond. General, General <laughs> Hux. General Patton. I'm just throwing out there. I'll say it again. General Hammond from Stargate SG-1. <laughs> oh, okay. That's why you know him and I don't, because I'm yes. not an SG-1 guy. All right. So, um, uh, one of the other convicts uh, eventually kind of is realizing it. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was, you know, another one of the terrible guys oh. is kind of realizing that Poe might have been lying. We also intercut in between some of the stuff. We get some very existential existential thoughts from Garland Green and he's just it's he plays up exactly that Hannibal type where he's very smart he throws out these very philosophical things um, I do really have to say I like the line what's wrong with him my first thought would be a lot what's wrong with him and Cameron Poe responds my first thought would be a lot he's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, so uh, the so that suspicious convict goes down to the cargo bay area uh, to look at personal effects. All right, cut back to Larkin, and he gets a call about 
Pinball's corpse and that he's got a message, you know, with uh, this corpse with his name written all over it. And he's starting to figure out what's going on again, that Poe is on his side, that he is helping out. Uh, but but Malloy, again, is just following the transponder. He's being a dick. Uh, Larkin, though, needs to, he realizes and finds out that he's, you know, where he needs to go, which is Lerner Airfield. And so he's got to get there fast. He can't take a plane, but he can take a sweet car. <laughs> you know what's who had a sweet car that we kind of established earlier? Malloy has like this very sweet kind of as a Porsche or something. Mm-hmm. He steals that. So I guess uh, Malloy doesn't have his keys with him. He just, whatever, he hot wires it or whatever. Uh, well, he so had he the take- keys. Uh, Larkin did have the keys. You're right. Larkin did have the keys. So I guess Malloy just left his keys there. Yeah. And and Larkin took them. So sure. <laughs> that suspicious convict looks through Poe's personal items, realizes he's a free man that he was out for parole, and he's uh, <laughs> looking through his personal effects. And here we get. I'd say it feels like an iconic line. Uh, where he's looking, he's grabs the bunny, and you know the suspicious convict is up there, you know, holding the bunny, and we get Cameron Poe who says, "Put the bunny back in the box." I knew you was a punk, and I was right. You've been playing us all along. You a free man. I said, "Put the bunny back in the box." Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> wow, it's just a cheesy line. They end up fighting in the cargo hold and all this kind of stuff. And Poe, of course, ends up killing him and all this shit. So, okay. And then it says, why can't you put the bunny just back in the box? <laughs> exactly. He didn't want to kill him. He just wanted no. him to put the bunny back in the box. Seriously. I mean, come on. Yeah. And that's the conflict that Poe has in his head. He 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 knows how to violence, and he knows how to violence good, but he doesn't want to violence. Yeah. <laughs> so so he's conflicted. But all right. Uh, meanwhile, Malloy catches up with the Cessna plane, and the whole dramatic thing of they're about to shoot it down, but it's obviously just a uh, you know a travel plane, and you know he realizes that he fucked up. So I love when that uh, when that, that little lady sort of like like waving yeah. high to, to, the, to, the, to the choppers. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Garland again continues to freak out Poe, um, and Larkin uh, gets to the airfield in time to find out that the people there are dead. That holy shit, something's going on, and the Conair flight ends up crash landing, uh, but everyone's okay basically from the flight and. You know, or most people are. So they are. So they have crash landed there. The convicts are excited. You know, they're basically they've landed. They're almost free. Uh, Poe is able to save the lives of a few guards at this point because one of the dudes, uh, because Diamond Dog wanted to execute them, uh, but he was able. Poe was able to kind of talk his way out of it that we might need them as hostages, et cetera, et cetera. Which Cyrus the virus recognizes that, and as he's the man in charge, kind of goes along with it. Uh, and so, amongst all this stuff. Garland just walks off all kind of creepily on his own. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, All right. And we find out that the new plan is to dig up the plane and we're going to they're going to refuel it because the other plane that they were supposed to meet up with hasn't gotten there. And it's basically Cyrus is realizing that they the guy who bankrolled them is is probably fucking them over. So Um, and at the same time, Garland finds this nice, sweet little girl just in like this empty backyard pool uh, as a drained pool uh, by, just by herself. And so, yeah, in a wow. terrifying, 
terrifying scene. He just starts to go kind of chat with her and like do tea time with her, basically. So that's fucked up. Uh, Poe is able to get away for a minute. Um, and we also see that cops are on the way. Uh, Poe ends up stumbling upon a jet with Sandino, who is the guy who was kind of paying for everything. His guys were just going to get him out and fuck everyone else over and kill them. But so there ends up being like a whole kind of fight amongst them. Larkin comes in at one point. Uh, they end up taking them all down and they have a little face to face. Um, but we find out that uh, Larkin or Larkin, they have they discuss Larkin finds out that he that Poe is staying on board because Poe wants to protect Baby O and the female guard and that kind of stuff. So he, you know, he knew he was a stand up guy and this just confirms it. So uh, Poe tells Larkin to give a message to his wife. And uh, that he'll, you know, he'll do that for him. And but he wants to know, hey, what are you gonna do for me? What do you think I'm gonna do? I'm gonna save the fucking day. <laughs> that's what he's gonna do, man. The lines in here, because <laughs> that's what that's that's what he does. That is what he does. So, but we do see uh, one of the henchmen from the rich. Kind of the guy who's in a guy who's in the plane overhears this and whatnot. Not that that means anything. Uh, so uh, Garland is singing. Oh my god! This this is might be the creepiest thing in the entire fucking yes. movie. When he's with the kid and she wants to sing a song and she starts starts singing. You got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his. Oh no, no, honey. Oh boy. <laughs> so, but at the same time, maybe she's getting through to him. I don't know. Maybe. Do you think he's reformed by the end of the movie? No. Okay. No. He, 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 someone like Garland, he cannot be changed. Okay. Uh, like, I'm sure there's part of him that has a heart that has uh-huh. caring feelings, but you can't change. I mean, he's a. I mean, a psycho is a psycho. Yeah. A serial killer is a serial killer. Sure. Sure. All right. I tend to agree. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get to that spot. But, um, yeah, uh, Sandino gets his hidden plane out, but Larkin is able to stop it. But while also not being not revealing himself that everyone that he is to all those different convicts that he's there. Um, but uh, Cyrus, uh, who, you know, is pissed off that Sandino was trying to screw him out of the money and, you know, escape on his own, lights this leaked fuel uh, from the plane that Sandino had. Looks like you missed your connection. We were, we were coming to get you. Please. Sai Anara. And that is the worst line in the entire <laughs> fucking movie. You have to admit that's so bad. Oh, yeah. And, and those special effects do not hold up in the slightest. No. No, they were kind of like obviously kind of green screened and it's not great. And yeah, the explosions. It, yeah, it, do, it doesn't it doesn't look natural. <laughs> I'll say everything there. Uh, but Poe, who was kind of in near that area, is able to dive out of the building just in time in dramatic fashion because because action movie. Honestly, <laughs> that's how that works. So. All right, now we get these uh, oncoming troops, and Cyrus has to create a plan, and he pulls guns from the cargo hold, and it's going to be a big old fucking shootout, and he's got this whole kind of idealist plan of you know how they're going to run them through this one area and then kind of fuck them over and kill them all. 
basically what happens they kind of move through it's just it's explosions gunfight galore they're kind of having like these troops and all these other kind of agents or whatnot kind of coming in and it's convicts versus you know police basically it it really reminded me of the last fight scene in uh saving private ryan when they were when 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 all the nazis were driving through that town and they had to put the sticky bombs on on all the tanks and stuff yeah it kind of gave me that kind of feel yeah, so Saving Private Ryan totally fucking ripped off Con Air. <laughs> Absolutely that fucking movie. <laughs> but you're right. It is actually it was pretty similar to that. So, all right. Poe, you know, is, gets back onto the plane. He tries to stop it by throwing a big rope around something to weigh it down and shit. But, um, and he ends up getting inside the plane in time uh, before all the convicts, you know, are able to get back in there and whatnot uh, and leave. He stops the guard. Uh, from being raped again and ends up getting baby O his insulin and Cyrus though is still able to get the plane off and shoot off his uh, little big rope that he had and whatnot. Poe and the female guard and baby O are all still just basically stuck on this plane though they're all just kind of fucked because they're just now the plane again doesn't have a responder so it can't be tracked and so they're just gonna are fueled up and they're just gonna you know they're basically gonna get the fuck out of there. So uh, we get a nice little song here. Leonard Skinnerd, Sweet Home Alabama plays as the convicts got away. And they're all super excited. Garland ended up coming back to the plane and he's back on board. And I do like his line. Define irony. Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I like his lines. My dad actually had that album cover with them up in flames. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know where it's at now, but like he had the actual album with the plane, which they had to discontinue yeah. after, the, after, after the plane crash. Yeah, sure. Um, meanwhile, Diamond Dog finds uh, Poe's parole papers, realizes that he is actually you know free man. He's not like supposed to be there, and he's been kind of, you know, um, been the inside guy, and he shows it to Cyrus and whatnot, and Cyrus... Of course, is about to call him out and, you know, he's about to kill the female guard. But instead of who admits and who tries to take the blame for all this stuff is Baby O. Uh, so he admits this stuff. And what does Cyrus do? He fucking shoots him. Um, so obviously Baby O is in pain and he's, you know, uh, close to death. Um, and then I do got to admit I enjoy when uh, Cyrus is reading the letter that uh, Poe's kid wrote to him. It's just super cheesy, and then he even adds a little extra cheese at the end where he holds up the bunny. Make a move, and the bunny gets it. Make a move, and the bunny gets it, which <laughs> is really dumb. But again, another little thing is like, how did Cyrus know that the bunny was significant? Because he yeah. wasn't down there for the put the bunny back in the box. But it doesn't. I mean, he maybe just was he was just being weird and psycho just- and overdramatic. Plot hole after after plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't think this. I don't think Brockheimer cares. I don't think uh, no. you know anybody cares on this movie. And uh-huh. will that hurt it? Let's see. Let's see. So, Malloy is firing uh, from a helicopter at the plane. Poe uh, fights everybody on the plane. He's also fighting his way through all this shit. The the agents uh, allow Poe to uh, eventually. Larkin kind of you know gets in the way and kind of vouches for Poe and kind of like proves to Malloy that he's the one who's been trying to help them. And so they allow Poe to try and 
um, you know, solve the situation from inside, which I think is an idiotic idea. Just fucking shoot the plane down. Like, it, here's the thing. All right. Because of all the, the fire, all, all the, the gunfire that's already happened on the plane, it's going down. And guess what, John? They're coming to your hometown, brother. Yeah, They're going to yeah. come crash land on the strip. They're going to come <laughs> crash land into Vegas. And the fact that they wouldn't have just shot that fucking thing on the gra- off of the fucking air and there would have been like two or three innocent deaths as opposed to landing a fucking like <laughs> Boeing sized plane on the strip, which would have caused millions of dollars of damage and probably many more lives than that is a terrible call from both Larkin and Malloy, but especially Larkin. And makes no sense because through a lot of that part of the strip that they landed on, there's a median with like uh, trees uh. and shit that goes through. <laughs> so there's no real good just flat open part of the strip that you could land a plane on, really. Yeah. Not until you I, not until you get outside of the strip. Sure. And I did kind of find it funny that, you know, they were talking about, all right, are you going to go land at the Vegas airport? And he's like, no, we don't have time. We're going to go to the strip. And I'm like, the strip's not far from the fucking airport. In, it's like, they're pretty close. In fact, the Vegas airport from the direction they were coming in would have been closer <laughs> than the strip. <laughs> Debunked. Yeah. They had to go for the dramatics. Sure. Yeah, that's right, because they were kind of, you saw the angle they were coming from the south side, and they would have hit McCarran first. Oh, yeah. Is, is, they would have gone. Is it gone, called McCarran? Yeah, no, it's called Harry Reid now. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. They they <laughs> it, they totally would have either flown right above it, or it would have been right there, and all they had to would have done was just <laughs> angle left, or angle yeah. right, I think, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, yeah, I think. If, I'm uh, if they're coming from where I think they were coming from. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. All right. So uh, they end up crash landing. Um, you know, they uh, all this madness happens. Baby O is able to get out. You're not really sure what's going on, but a, Cyrus is able to pop open a little hatch down below, and he escapes with Diamond Dog and Swamp Thing. Um, I do like that Johnny Twenty Three is definitely dead because they take away his body, but his <laughs> arm arm is still hanging <laughs> yeah. from when uh, Poe or so you know got him trapped up in there. So he's fucking dead. That was a funny reveal. Uh, I, I'll admit. Yeah. I enjoyed that task. Good reveal. Uh, the female guard is now safe, too. All, all this thanks to Poe. Uh, and then Poe and Larkin see that Cyrus is on a fucking fire fire truck. He's on the ladder on the top part of a... Why is he on the top part of a fire truck? Somebody tell me. I don't why know. is he not in the passenger seat? All the other guys. Swamp Thing is in the fucking driver's seat. Um, you saw... Uh, who is the other guy with a diamond dog? dog is is inside the fucking thing. Why couldn't Cyrus have been in the inside? Like, why did he take the time to get the fuck on top for some reason? Yeah. He blew his cover <laughs> completely. He's an idiot. So, but they see him and it's their job to stop him. And so what do they do? They both steal Las Vegas police fucking motorcycle motorcycles <laughs> and they go after him. And it's even, you know, another dramatic chase and all this kind of shit. Um, Diamond Dog ends up getting blown up by Poe's motorcycle as Poe jumps onto the ladder with one arm because his other arm's hurt and ultra dramatic. Uh, Poe ends up raising the uh, ladder, you know, as in this fight with the uh, fire truck, and it gets Cyrus handcuffed to it and raises it up, and he ends up getting thrown through 
kind of like one of the skywalk things. He lands on electric cables, like on the fucking power cables. Not dead yet, mind you. <laughs> we'll come back to him. We then cut to Swamp Thing, who is going to die from crashing into something after, you know, he's got his explosion. And then we cut back to Cyrus, who is somehow not dead from his arm being, you know, him being thrown through all that and then also being electrocuted. He's somehow not dead, lands perfectly under this big piston drop thing. And it drops right on his head, crushes his head, and that's how Cyrus dies. And how did that his, felt like? <laughs> how did he still have his arm? I was exactly that should have fucking come off with the with the um the handcuff for sure. Well, At least his hand flying through the air. He just had yes. no arm. Yep. And so I love, John, I love how um Agent Larkin decided to just like rip rip open the 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 cab of the fire truck and start dousing. Like pouring the water in there to, to drown Swamp Thing. <laughs> yes, that was good. Yeah, so it just it, everything felt like overkill. This was just action overload. Randomly, the stuffed bunny. I don't even know how the fuck the stuffed bunny got anywhere near where Poe is, but it's going down this down the water of the street. I yeah. guess from the fire hose or the fire water from the fire truck, and Poe finds it, grabs it just before it goes down into the sewer, and he goes and sees. <laughs> His wife and his daughter. And of course, again, we get How Do I Live by Trish Yearwood as he meets his daughter for the first time and sees his wife for the first time in eight years. And it's all dramatic. And we cut to a Vegas craps table where Garland Green is just out and about and he's okay. <laughs> he's fine. He got away safely and nobody paid attention to him. But all right. <laughs> That was creepy, yeah. and now now we know that like the worst of the worst, actually, mass murderer is now just going to go around and probably kill people again. And uh, I do want to say we end with some visual credits. Fucking love visual credits as Sweet Home Alabama plays. Yes. I, I, I will always say that. I think it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. We need to bring that shit back. Put in visual credits on the end. I thought that was actually a really fun uh, thing at the end of this movie. So... That was a wild fucking ride there, Mr. Wilhelm, that you just sent us on. You're welcome there. <laughs> what the fuck did we just watch? Tell me about that, man. What the hell did we just go through? Popcorn. Popcorn yeah. movie. And and how did that popcorn movie make you feel? I'll let, I'll let John go first because I've had my okay. talk about it. So let's see what okay. John has to say about it. Okay. Um, It, it was dumb. <laughs> this is your first time watching it all the yeah, way through. Yeah, but I've seen parts of it, and I knew I didn't like it. And so mm. I, I, I knew it wasn't, like, for me, like, a lot of people loved a lot of Nick Cage's movies throughout the 90s and early 2000s, but me, I had to, I kind of, like, cherry-picked which ones of his I really liked and which ones I didn't. Like, I did not like National Treasure. I, okay. I, I, I love National Treasure. I, and I'm not necessarily surprised, not that that's a bad thing, but... I just didn't. And this is one of those movies that everyone seems to love that I've never liked. And so I rented it. I watched it. I watched it all the way through. There were some parts that definitely made me laugh. Overall, I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. So what are some of the Nick Cage ones you like? I mean, are they like Face Off and The Rock, I assume? Pretty much. Although, be honest, if I watch Face Off again, I will probably hate it. Really? I don't. Yeah, I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that really? I will not like that movie if I try to rewatch it. 
Okay. Knowing that you hated this, knowing that you didn't really like this this movie, I could totally see that. Um, because they they have they have a very the, similar feel. The Rock's saving grace is Ed Harris and Sean Connery. Also, okay. it has one of my favorite lines of any movie I've ever seen. Your best. Only losers talk about doing your best. Winners go home and fuck the prom, prom queen, which okay. I just sure. think is a hilarious line. But like bad mullets aside, <laughs> I think it's just long bad hair. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it a mullet. He just fair, had but it look. It, it, you're right. It was not exactly short in the front, but it it yeah. it, could, it presented itself rather mulletly. And there was very there was a lot of party. There was a lot of party in the back. There was a lot of and party in the did, back. And he did make a comment to his to his wife at, at the end, like, "Sorry, sorry, I didn't get to, I didn't get a chance to get a haircut." Yeah, yeah. I mean, because sure. he looked fine sure. at the beginning when he had his you know military haircut and whatnot. Yes. So. Yes. So. All right. All right. My thoughts. Like I said, it's been a while since I see the film, and I will say a lot of people talk about how bad the movie is, and they're not wrong. <laughs> Nick Cage's accent is fucking terrible. <laughs> but this movie knows what it is. It leans into the cheese and it's dumb fun. I didn't have a sip of alcohol when I watched this movie. That hurt my experience. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. I had to stop the movie at times to do my notes. That hurt the experience. I would absolutely rewatch this movie in the right context. Not saying you have to be drunk to watch it, but I do say you have to kind of like let go. You have to release. You have to realize you're not watching cinema. This is not cinema. Uh-huh. This is a flick. This is a popcorn flick. But I would 100% rewatch this movie. And yeah, I'd put on, I'd, I'd grab a bourbon because if I'm going to listen to his fucking southern accent, I'm going to try and lean into the fucking southernness. And I'm going to just allow myself to just not care, not pay attention to the bad stuff, because there is bad stuff. There's bad writing. There's there's plot holes. There's all this other stuff. But ultimately, I enjoyed myself. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, this is not a movie that's, that's going to go out. It was, it was never going to win an Oscar. It was never going to win any kind of awards. It was just one of those movies that you can just turn your turn your brain off, grab some popcorn, grab a drink, sit down, and just blank out. And that's yeah. it. It's that's that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It is actually. I just looked. The movie was nominated for two Oscars. Did not was win. It really, and nominated for best sound and best music original song for How Do I Live? Okay, that's fair. So I mean. Right. I give some I think some credits to Trisha Yearwood. Yeah, I mean, not really, you know, neither of those, the particular artistic or, you know, it's the technical one for sound and the song is just kind of its own separate thing compared. So it's not like, you know, you're right. For most of the main categories, it would never have a chance. But yeah. All right. But I would say, you know what? Good call. Stephen, good call. <laughs> this is good enough. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And next time, John, I'll make sure I I, I, I choose a, a National Lampoon movie, too, because I know how much you love those movies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do vacation. About that. Please do vacation. <laughs> yeah. Now we are going to talk Dexter. This show ran from 2006 to 2013. Nine seasons, 96 episodes in total, and it was on Showtime. So, it was one of the uh, kind of premium cable networks that you had to watch. 
The show's first season was derived from the novel Darkly Dreaming Dexter uh, that came out in 20, 2004. Uh, and the first series, uh, or sorry, it's the first in the series of novels by Jeff Lindsay. And the show was developed uh, for television by James Manos Jr. Uh, he's been a writer for The Sopranos and The Shield, which are two other very highly lauded premium cable shows, kind of like, you know, in the cop murder kind of thing. Let's talk the cast real quick. Dexter is played by Michael C. Hall. Uh, he was in Six Feet Under right before this. He's had some smaller roles. But Dexter is definitely the thing that most people know him for. Deborah, uh, his uh, foster sister slash, you know, sister is played by Jennifer Carpenter. Uh, she's been in White Chicks. Uh, she vo voiced Sonya Blade in some uh, Mortal Kombat um, animated things. She said plenty of small parts. And I do believe at one point her yes. and Michael C. Hall were married. And I always thought that was weird when I heard that was a thing that they were a couple. Because I'm like, wait a minute. They're fucking brother and sister on the show. That creeps me out. <laughs> but it was a thing that they were together for a bit. Angel Batista was played by David Zayas. Uh, he was the bad guy in the Expendables movie. Um, he had a lot of small parts on whatnot. Um, so he's been quite a bit in, in quite a bit of things. Harry Morgan, uh, who is Dexter's adoptive father, was played by James Remar. He's been in Black Lightning, Django Unchanged, Ratatouille, Too Fast, Too Furious, tons of stuff that James Remar has been in. Uh, Vince Masuka is played by C.S. Lee. Uh, he was in season two of True Detective and lots of different small parts for him. Maria LaGuerta was played by Luna Lauren Velez. She was in Into the Spider-Verse. She voiced Miles Morales's mother in that film. And she's also been in the show Oz as well as New York Undercover and plenty of stuff for her. Uh, Detective Quinn was played by Desmond Her uh, Harrington. He has been in Gossip Girl, Riding in Cars with Boys, Ghost Ship, plenty of stuff for him. Uh, Rita, Dexter's girlfriend, was played by Julie Benz. She's been in Hawaii Five-0, Defiance, as well as the Angel series. And I want to definitely call out uh, Sergeant Dokes, one of my favorite characters from season one for sure, or early seasons, uh, was played by Eric King. Uh, he was in National Treasure, Oz, and in a fantastic film called Born to Race that Adam, yours truly, worked on uh, <laughs> back when I actually worked on some film projects. So, yeah, I worked on a project with uh, with Eric King, just throwing out there with Sergeant Jokes. <laughs> he didn't he did not drop F-bombs, though, like he does in this show. <laughs> so. All right. So, Dexter, showtime. You have a thing for serial killers. You like Garland Green. <laughs> you like uh, Dexter. Why? And so they kind of fit together. Why yeah. are we talking Dexter? Like, what is what is your affinity for the show and nostalgia from watching it? So I know it's not a uh, nostalgic show because of where of how when it took place and when it and when it aired and, and such. But it was the first show that my wife and I really got into because she had watched all of it um, through and through. And then the new one was coming out, so she wanted to watch it, and I wanted to watch it with her. So she's like, "Well, you need to rewatch the original mm -hmm. Dexter." So we ended up rewatching all of all Dexter together, and that and okay. yes, I do like serial killer stuff, like uh, true true crime. I kind of like listening to that kind of stuff too. So it was yeah. it was very interesting to watch. Do you want to sing? He's got the whole world in his hands right now, or something? I just want to make sure you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that crazy. Okay. All right. Cool. All right, um, John, let's talk our nostalgic or knowledge base of the Dexter show. 
I have never seen this show at all. Oh. Um, because I've never had Showtime, ever. Uh, my only knowledge of this show is that our sister loves this show. And that's the only thing I know about it. I've heard, I'd heard good things uh, before, but I've had no access to it, so I've had no opportunity really to watch it. Until now, at least. Sure. I was very similar to John, except that I had seen a few episodes, and I'd seen a few episodes because I was staying with our sister, and she was like, Adam, we're going to watch some Dexter. And so I pretty much had to watch some episodes with her, and they were all kind of like, she wanted to show me early season one stuff. So I'd watch most of season one, but it is because of our sister. Our sister loves Dexter. In fact, she named one of her cats Dexter <laughs> because she is a big fan of this show. Uh, so I had really only seen some of season one. I had not seen any really further than that. And it's because I don't have Showtime and I yeah. didn't pay for Showtime Plus um, or whatever they call it. And this, so my entire experiences with the show were minimally when I was like hanging out with my sister or staying with her. Um, and I had seen it that way. So let's talk. Um, oh, yeah, see, I do want to bring on some uh, talk about some other big actors who had played small parts in the show. Uh, Jimmy Smith's Colin Hanks, Sean Patrick Flannery, um, Julia Stiles, Edward James, almost P Peter Weller all had reoccurring roles as well as John Lithgow who played a very creepy serial killer. He actually won um, an Emmy for his role as a guest star in that show because I think a lot of people kind of consider that maybe one of the best seasons, but at least his portrayal and his villain is one of the best um, serial killers on that show. Yeah. Yeah. I will definitely say that because that was season four. Season five was definitely a big drop because of how intense season four was and how season four ended. I mean, one of my notes is that like, it was the best season. I couldn't even come to grips to watch that last episode of season four. And it was that dramatic and that intense. I, I, I feel like I do want to see that one. Cause I love John Lithgow as an actor. And I did see that at least like on like the research on Wikipedia that it says seasons one through four got really high ratings. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it just kind of was like constantly not as good. And, you know, and I think that's just because when you have a season like that, where it is so intense and that it, it ends I'm not going to spoil any because I'm sure you're yep. going to watch all of it. But like the way that if if a, if a TV show has that kind of season, then it's a big let off following that. It's hard to when you peak like that. It's it's hard to go higher than that mm -hmm. in your upcoming seasons. I feel sure, sure. The thing is, every episode of Blast from Our Past is a peak, so I, I don't think I have to really worry about that, you know? I think we're just, we've, we've never gone down, we've never gone up, we just stay at, like, the top. That's exactly. <laughs> so, I get it. I guess I, well, maybe I guess I don't get it, so. Alright, so this show, very basically, uh, Dexter Morgan is a forensic technician specializing in blood stain pattern analysis for the Miami Metro Police Department. Um, he leads a secret parallel life as a, it says vigilante serial killer, but he's a serial killer who kind of focuses on killing the bad people. Mm -hmm. um, that is 
what his father taught him. His adoptive father recognized his sociopathic and kind of psychopathic ways and decided to help channel the help the kid channel that rage into killing criminals. And that really, to me, means that dad is as fucking terrible of a person as Dexter ever was. He's an awful father. Yes, yes, but it also goes back to when 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 Harry found Dexter. Like he found him in a in a crate yeah. with his when his mom was killed right in front of him and he was sitting in a pool of blood. So you get him some therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you f- Could you come back from that? Yeah, you get him some pills then. <laughs> Fucking hell. You don't say, hey, you know these other people who have kind of gone through the due process of law and I didn't think that they had done good enough job? Kill them. That's fucking terrible. I think there was one scene in an episode where, like, like uh, his dad said, "Like, I found the dog that you that you killed, and and you and you tried to hide from me, and I know you did it. So here's how you don't do it. Yeah, here's how you don't get caught. Yeah, father of the fucking year, right there. <laughs> Jesus." Whew. All right. Uh, so anyway, uh, Dexter, we kind of find out he feels no emotion and he kind of has to fake his way through life. And we learn a lot of stuff about him. I actually really like the style of the show where it's heavily narration based. Um, I mean, well, a lot of it. You you get obviously the show and him interacting with other people. But Dexter himself is narrating or you're hearing kind of his inner thoughts, but his inner thoughts as he's narrating to, um, you know, the quote unquote audience and you're kind of like you're learning more about him or you're at least learning more about the real Dexter through that. And yeah. I really like that. I, I think that is a, a, a interesting and solid way to do it because, you know, he has to live this double life. And then we kind of get to know the real one where everybody else doesn't. Um, so I like that aspect about the show. And I also do want to mention the opening theme song and the opening credits. So it's not like a, a great opening theme song. Uh, it was done by Rolf Kent, who had done some other uh, really good films as a composer done Up in the Air, Wedding Crasher, Sideways is a really good score, uh, Mean Girls, Election, many other things. But I do really like I like the opening credits in general, how they're edited together. Um, it's this really kind of creepy. It's called it's, they quote unquote call it the morning routine. And it just it's like this this way he's making his breakfast and he it looks like he's like it's he's cutting up pork or something, but it looks like he's eating human flesh almost always, you know, in general. It's just it that's how I kind of took it. Yeah. But overall, it's just like they're taking this mundane normal thing, which is making your breakfast, but the way that they shot it and the way it works with the music, it just comes off very creepy, and I think it does a good job of setting up Dexter as this, you know, very creepy psycho force. So I yeah, like, that. like like they use the hot sauce and they portray it as blood. Exactly. And it's just little things like that. And yeah, it's I love the intro. So there have been some spinoff or kind of like other things with this show is very popular. Uh, as mentioned, there was an animated web series called Dexter Early Cuts uh, back in 2009 that ran for two seasons. And uh, a lot of the original cast also did their 
their voices on that web series. Uh, there was a limited comic book in 2013 that was released by Marvel Comics about this show and about the characters. Uh, a couple video games and even a board game with Dexter. And as you mentioned, there is a new show in 2021. Dexter New Blood came out that had it was a 10 episode limited series starring most all of the same cast kind of came back for that, uh, which I didn't. I thought, did Dexter not die? At the end of the show, I thought that was a thing. Do you want me to say something or not? Because I mean, I, I, I mean, this—I don't know if you guys—I don't know if, you guys ever, if you've watched the series finale for the first run, but it was basically Hannah, who was this other serial killer that was a perfect mate for him. She was. She took his son to somewhere else because they were both being chased by the cops, and then it was a there was a hurricane coming. And he went onto a, he went out on a boat, and all you see was him going into the hurricane. So you don't actually see him oh, die, okay. and they assume that he died from the hurricane. Okay. So that's so that's so that's how they ended the first the the first run per se. Yeah, I mean it. It's been done for damn near a decade, and so if people are going to get upset about that spoiler, too bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So okay. So he ends up having a kid because I I I watched the first two or three episodes actually um for this i i i got a uh a seven day free trial to showtime um so i could watch this show and i ended up watching the like the first two or three episodes and he had a at least from what i what he had talked about in that he had trouble having sex he didn't understand sex he didn't understand you know social cues but he was good at faking it um but he he was dating uh, you know, his his girlfriend, Rita, um, but like he liked her because she had gone through a very tough, you know, uh, sexual abusive relationship beforehand. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't interested in sex, but she had even in those early episodes, she had kind of started to possibly talk about the idea of it. And so apparently I think I saw at some point they end up getting married. Is that correct? Yeah. So Rita basically had two kids of her own from a, from a previous relationship that yes. was really abused and they really liked Dexter. But uh, they did end up getting married, and they did end up having a kid. Uh, huge spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. The end of season four, the reason why I can't watch it is because it ends with Rita in a pool, in a, in a, in a bathtub, dead, in her own blood from John uh. Lithgow. And their, and their son that they had together is in the bathroom, sitting in the pool of blood, just like Dexter was. When his mom got killed. Oh, okay. And that's the kid that ends up growing up, and that's who you see in New Blood. Gotcha. Yeah. So, like I, said, I didn't want to spoil a whole lot, but that's kind of where it, it was, and okay. that's and that's why it was really hard to watch that episode again because it's just it was so dramatic, hmm. and it was so hard okay. to go on on other other seasons after after that. All right. So does he get all fucked up and start killing people just like Dexter did, or is he an okay guy? Uh, did he did he get his therapy? No. Um, <laughs> he, let's just say like father, like son. Okay. All right. All right. And, I mean, yeah, spoilers. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Dexter tries to teach his son the code. Okay. Okay. Like his father taught him. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, spoilers never really bother me. Like, because if a show is good, I can know everything that's going to happen, and it could still shock me. Yeah, you know, it, it can is. still do it right. 
Okay. Okay. Well, good. So, John, let's start with you. You've been a little bit quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a sh- again another property you you knew a little bit about. Have seen probably little bits and pieces, but nothing that you'd really watched a lot of. What did you? How much? How much of Dexter did you watch? So I only watched the first episode because I found it on YouTube. I found the whole episode on YouTube. Okay. I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, I see the hype even in that first episode, and so. I'm hoping someday, um, I know you can get it on Paramount, but you have to have like the, the Showtime package that goes with it. So if it ever comes down to where I can I can stream it somehow, I wouldn't mind going through this show because it actually looks very, very interesting. The first episode I thought was really, really good. It kept me interested the whole time. Um, and even still knowing some of the stuff that's coming up, it just... Now, like you're talking about, first off, I love John Lithgow talking about him winning an Emmy for it. Now I'm like, well, shit, now I need to watch it and get to season four so I can at least see this amazing performance that I know is coming up, even though I kind of know what's going to happen. That doesn't necessarily, is not really going to lessen, you know, what what is going on. And it shouldn't because that whole season you'll, you'll love, if you love John Lithgow, you'll absolutely love season four. Hmm. So... I actually rather liked this, um, having not seen it. I knew that it was good and got a lot of good reviews, and obviously our sister raves about it. So I knew I knew it had to be generally pretty good anyway. So I was just I was pleasantly surprised. Honestly, I was pleasantly surprised that the first episode um, was good enough to keep my attention the whole time because that that is not necessarily the case. Even with really really good shows, the first episode is not always the best. Yeah. Uh, I'll jump in and leave uh, Stephen with the last remarks. And I was, I mean, I had seen a little bit more than John and I had watched like two-ish episodes for this one. And I had a very similar mindset as John did. The Those first couple episodes gripped me pretty well. I mean, the only thing that has held me back is because I don't want another fucking subscription <laughs> to another fucking streaming channel. But this show looks really good. And maybe it'd be worth it for like a month just to, you know, do that. Or if I can find the DVDs really cheap at like a used DVD store or something, you know, or have a friend let me borrow them or something. I liked what I watched. I really liked what I watched. And you're right. Episode one was quite gripping that I was like, you know what? Do I want to keep watching episode two? Sure. I just put it on. And I thought the next episode was really good, too. Um, The style is good. The acting is good. This is a damn good show. I just, will I find the time to see it? I hope. I hope I do. So, Stephen, you, you know, I assume you went back and watched a little bit of this, or maybe you just had seen it enough, but, you know, tell us your overall thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I love this series. I didn't, I had watched prior to being with my current wife, I think I'd watched an episode, or I watched the first episode, and I thought it was really good too, but again, like you guys mentioned, it was on Showtime. I didn't have the I didn't have the premium subscription, and I didn't really want to. I didn't have the money for it, or just didn't want to uh, subscribe. So we actually caught it when they were all on Amazon Prime, and we uh, had and we already had Prime, so we were able to watch all this all those seasons. Uh, we were very lucky. Um, now with all these streaming services, of course. So I did what you did, Adam, and I and I did the the free one week trial of. Showtime and caught a couple episodes and it really gripped me again and like I, I watched the last the the last season uh, the series finale and 
it just brought back all those like this is a really good show it it's written really well it's done really well I'm so glad we didn't recast the show because I could never replace Michael <laughs> C. Hall. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if I could find a better person to play Dexter. Um, he's just, he's so creepy, but he's so, has that weird sense of humor. Like, he doesn't know how to be social at all, but he learns to be social over over time. And he's one of the guys that really, he learns from his mistakes so like he learns, like he he does stuff, and then later on in this in this in the different seasons, you're like, oh okay, he's tweaking how he's doing things a little bit, and he's he's and he's learning. So I thought it was a really good uh, show. I definitely recommend it if you can find it somewhere uh, cheap. If you can find it at a thrift store somewhere, absolutely pick it up. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Still going. Nothing outlasts the Energizer battery. It keeps... Gentlemen, this pink fuzzy bunny is killing us. The future of Supervolt batteries looks bleak. And the latest attempt to develop our own mascot, the Supervolt Weasel, has fallen dreadfully short. To survive, we need to neutralize the Energizer Bunny. But how? His battery. We get his battery. No more Energizer Bunny. And I'm in the process of finding individuals who can, how shall I say, assist us. <laughs> say goodbye, Mr. Energizer Bunny. All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Con Air using actors of today. And we got a pretty extensive list of characters. We're going to do Cameron Poe, Cyrus the Virus, Agent Larkin, Agent Malloy, Diamond Dog, Pinball, Parker, Garland Green, Baby O, and Trisha Poe. There's a lot more characters that probably could have gone in there, but it's a huge list already. There's three of us. It's going to take us a little while, and we didn't need to add any more. Uh, so, uh, without any further ado, gentlemen, we're going to jump into this list and I'm just going to, for the sake of my sanity, I'm just going to keep a, um, uh, keep a, uh, simple rotation all the way through. I'm not going to change anything up. We'll start with Trisha Poe and Adam, we'll start with you. Okay. So Trisha Poe, adorable, Southern, innocent lady. She, you know, she kind of shows up mostly at the beginning and the end. And every, well, every now and then she kind of, you know, Larkin has to talk to her. And she's just, she just, she just loves her Cameron. And, and she just, you know, wants him back. Um, I went with a kind of adorable, I think she, she can do Southern stuff because she has done Southern kind of before. She's a very cute kind of like blonde girl, very similar to the one that we'd seen before. I went with Hayden Panettiere as my okay. Trisha Poe. Okay. I can see that. I can yeah. see that as well. Okay. How old is Hayden now? She never. Uh, she's probably like th- late thirties, like thirty-seven like, or something like that. But yeah, she was she was pretty young when she was on. Um, she, you know, she's probably younger than me. She's probably like thirty. She's eighty-nine. Born in eighty-nine. <laughs> oh, she's born. I was like, she's not eighty-nine. No, no. Born she's, in yeah, 89. born in eighty-nine. Yeah, yeah. So she's yeah, she's thirty-three. Okay, okay, so she was in her teens when she was on Heroes. Then okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, she could be a young mother. Yeah, yeah. young mother. At 33. I know. I, yeah, I totally see that. That's 
perfectly fine. Um, yeah. All right, so I went uh, with an actress who is actually only a couple years younger than uh, Hayden Panettiere. Um, she's a little bit lesser known. I don't know if you'll know her from anything. Um, she did a small stint on the show Royal Pains. Uh, she was on the uh, TV show Scream, the TV series. Um, but I know her best for playing Roscoe in the TV show Reacher. I went with Willa Fitzgerald. That name sounds familiar. I have not. I have not seen her. I mean, she has got. A very similar look. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, she, attractive young lady. She's got that same similar vibe from Hayden Penitieri. Um In Reacher, she plays uh, a, a, an officer from Georgia, so she already kind of has that southern accent. Hey. If you want her to have a southern accent, um, I don't know that I necessarily need her to have a southern accent, uh, especially considering who I went with for my Cameron Poe. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, not that that matters. People people fall in love all over the country. It doesn't necessarily matter. You know who's from where. Um, so anyway, that was my uh, Trisha, and so let's uh, kick it over to Stephen. All right, my Trisha. Um, I only picture her because of who my Cameron is. Uh, I went with our good old Agent Carter, Haley At- Atwell. Love okay. Haley Atwell. Nothing bad. I'm, I'm never going to say anything bad about Haley Atwell. Yeah, and I mean she's she's our age, John. Mm-hmm. She's, she's around. She's she's forty years old. I think she could fit that 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 mom role. Yeah. pretty well. I yeah, I I'm only curious because she has I don't know. There's an elegance to Haley Atwell that there's not with Cameron Poe and any woman who would want to associate <laughs> with Cameron Poe. Even it, adorable as as um you know Trisha Poe is, she's not elegant. Haley Atwell has elegance, but I'm so just, just kind of curious how that would work out. Now she's an actress. I was saying it's called acting, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but I, I very much like her as an actress, so I'm sure she could do a fantastic yeah, job. Totally cool with that. Uh, all right, Baby O, Adam, who'd you go for, Baby O? All right, Baby O, uh, you need someone who is good at almost kind of sidekick duties, if you will, because you know we had the guy from. You know, Forrest Gump Bubba before um, someone who is maybe a little thick to assume that he might have uh, you know who could have type one but maybe he has type two I don't know it doesn't really matter uh, so he's got he's got the beatus and he's got to <laughs> deal with that um, but this guy I think is I mean he's a little bit more imposing than Baby O is but maybe that's kind of part of it because he has to kind of has to be debilitated by the beatus and all that he's a fun. Uh, sidekick kind of actor. We all like him from Black Panther stuff. I went with Winston Duke as my baby O. Okay. Yeah, who's in Baku. So he is, he's he's kind of he's bigger, more imposing. That is yeah, true. But but I can I can I can at least understand the uh the sort of dichotomy of wanting a bigger intimidative guy who is then just immediately floored yes. uh, by his medical yeah. condition and can't really do anything for the whole rest of the film. Exactly it. That's exactly kind of what I thought. I'm totally cool with that. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I I just kind of picked a guy who I I don't even know if I've ever picked this guy before, but I, I kind of liked him in the show that he was most or I probably we most know him for. Um, even though I have a lot of issues with the show itself, I feel like his character was good and was played and portrayed pretty well. 
Um, he's been in a few other ones, but anyone in the last year will instantly recognize him as Arondir from Lord of the Rings, uh, the Rings of Power. I went with Ismael Cruz Cordova. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you use him recently? I I I didn't think I had, but I'm starting to think maybe I did. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like you did. Um, yeah, I had no issues with him uh, in Rings of Power. Um, he's got a great look to him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean he's good with some of the action stuff. Yeah, he's he's also, he does have a good elvish presence to him as yeah. well. I think yeah, yeah. I think honestly he had the best fight scenes. Yeah, in the show. I agree. So, so not that I need him to fight, obviously, because he's going to be, going to be, you know, out for the count for most <laughs> exactly. of this. But. Uh, I need my insulin. That's like that's his only line, yeah. really. Oh no, my insulin. <laughs> but that's cool. <laughs> uh, all cool right, Stephen. All right, this one was a little bit harder for me. I didn't really want to. I couldn't really find anybody. And funny enough, is that the person I chose. <laughs> Originally was actually the the original actor. I didn't realize who it was when I picked <laughs> the actor, so I so I had to quickly turn in uh, first person I could come up with was uh, John Boyega. Okay, oh, John Boyega, I could see. that. I could totally see that. Yeah. I could totally see that in that role. That is that's a perfectly fine choice. I think. Yeah, he's kind of done some like side character, obviously stuff with um, Star Wars. He was you know another one of the main slash side characters, and he's he's a good actor. I like him. So yeah. Cool. Uh, all right, Garland Green. I'm interested to see where this one goes, Adam. <laughs> I didn't go far off the beaten path with my Garland Green. I went with somebody who can play almost exactly the Steve Buscemi look and the creepy factor, and he's done so in the current or more recent It movies, and he even has like that creepy Steve Buscemi look. I went with Bill Skarsgård as my Garland Green. He just—he's. You see him without makeup, and he looks very Buscemi-esque. He, he does. He does so much so that Adam, I also went yes! with Bill Skarsgård <laughs> because I immediately was like, "Huh, young Steve Buscemi looks like Bill Star- Bill Skarsgård." Yes. I'm just gonna put him right in. Perfect. So, yep, I exact. That's exactly what I went with. Let's, can we make it a three-way? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I didn't really have to. I didn't really think too hard on this one. I just went with first person that I knew could be creepy. I went with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. I mean, he's. I get. I, I get I more leading just, man vibes from him than than I do from from like a Garland Green though. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I agree with Bill Skarsgård. Don't get me wrong. That's a great choice. I can't say specifically why I chose Jake Gyllenhaal. I just think I felt more call to him because he's he played um in the movie willow or not no Willow. what was it was it willow with the rats oh um i know what you're talking about um yeah not willow was wildlife yeah. there's I'm just looking through his, his uh, i don't know if i could talk about with chris the one with crispin glover oh crispin Chris. Oh, maybe that's Crispin Glover would have been a good. I was gonna say he's he's that's the creepy motherfucker. That's <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's what I was thinking of. Chris. Oh, that's Crispin a Glover. much okay. better call. That's a much Glover. better call. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Willard. Yeah. Willard. Willard. Yeah, Willard. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm thinking Crispin. I was thinking yeah, Crispin yeah, yeah. Glover. That's no, no, he's okay. He's creepy. We'll just say that that's who you picked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, good, good choice. Because we understood we understood your intent. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> all right, cool. No, I'm, yeah, I'm cool with that one. Uh, all right, Pinball Parker. Adam. All right, I do enjoy uh, Chappelle's Pinball Parker. Um, so I kind of thought a guy who could, I don't know, kind of be an asshole, kind of have some comedy moments. Um, and the guy I picked even has done some little bit of action stuff before. He has all that wrapped into one. And in a show that is one of my favorite shows on streaming right now, and it's The Boys, I went with A-Train. Jesse T. Usher is my Pinball Parker. Okay. I have not seen him in anything other than yeah. The sure. Boys. Uh, he doesn't have all that many credits, but I like him in that one, and I feel like it's a pretty, you know, it's not a far reach from that character. He, no, he does play a good sarcastic asshole yeah. in that. So, I don't, I, I see, um, yeah, I see the connection. Okay. I don't see it as a stretch, so yeah, okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. I went with more, uh, kind of a more well-known comedian as it were, mm-hmm. he's he can be silly and do some physical stuff, and um, I've seen him get serious uh, when he's standing when he was standing behind Barack Obama. I went with Keegan Michael Key. He was he oh. was one of the names I wrote down. I, that's, that's a good call. Okay, that's a good call. Okay, he might be a little bit older eh. now, but I know. Eh. You know, I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, I mean, just because Chappelle was young doesn't mean this. I mean, this character could. St- they can absolutely shift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Mr. Steven. So I originally went with Kevin Hart. He was going to be my original. <laughs> I also I, wrote down Kevin Hart originally as well. I didn't think about him at all, but I do think it's a good call. It's a good pick. But, but I but I changed my mind to an actor who first was on Community and has a alter ego as Childish uh, Gambino. It's Donald Glover. I'm not going to say that's bad because Donald Glover will kill it. I just think it's beneath Donald Glover. Yes. To play that okay. to play that part. I'm with John. Um I I okay. think um, I think more highly of Donald Glover than that part. Yeah. I would I would rather personally I would rather see Donald Glover as Cyrus the Virus. Sure. Or something where he gets okay. to chew more scenery. Not that I'm saying it, it, it's not a bad call for the role. Well, it's not a bad call. It's just a bad call for that role, I yeah. think. Because I think Donald yes. Glover is better than that role. I think if, I you, if, you, if we were talking community was still going on, sure. This, that it would have been the right call. But Donald Glover now is fucking... He's a renaissance man who can do everything, and he's amazing. And we obviously, John and I, have a crush on this guy, and it's rightfully so. <laughs> but yeah, Donald Glover ten years ago, I think that was the perfect. That was a perfect call. Donald Glover now, I think he's better. Yeah. Now I can kind of see that. I- yeah. If you can find a way to get Danny Glover into this, we're gonna have the Glover ty- <laughs> trifecta. We're gonna have Danny Glover, Crispin Glover, yes. and Donald hey, Glover there in go. there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Love it. So we'll see. We'll see how uh, the rest of <laughs> Stevens uh, uh, he could, casting he could, he could be a Malloy. I could see him as a Malloy. Not yeah. Malloy. I'm too old for this. <laughs> uh, all right. Diamond Dog. Mount up. Sorry. Every time I hear see Diamond Dog, it makes me think of Ted Lasso. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Adam, who is your Diamond Dog? All right. Um, Ving Rhames, big guy, imposing guy. Um, absolutely kind of see him. He was only kind of playing backseat to Cyrus until he felt he could maybe try and take over down the line. That was kind of his mentality anyway. Um, somebody who uh, I went with an actor who I want to see more of 
you know, I went and I want to see more of him in big roles and I want to see more of him in the MCU as Luke Cage because he is a goddamn perfect Luke Cage. I went with Mike Coulter as Diamond Dog. Okay. Adam, we are simpatico. I also <laughs> went with Mike Coulter. Yes. Uh, we're just we're just on the same wavelength with this. Yeah, uh, I am all for uh, it. For all, for all the reasons you listed, he's a he's a big guy. He can be intimidating. He's a good actor. I also really hope that we see him again in the MCU. And so, yeah, for you know all those reasons, I also went with Mike Coulter. Cool. All right, Mr. Wilhelm. Well, I'm sorry to ruin your juice of, of, an, of another three-way. It's not going to be exclusive. That's all right. Chance, man. All, Steven, all I want is a three-way with you, bro. Just once. <laughs> I know. I went with uh, Terry Crews. Okay. Um, I totally see that, too. He could, totally see that, too. I mean, he's not a main actor. He's, he's not a star. He's not like a, a main actor. He he's that biggish brutish guy. It just I was trying to I was trying hard not to go with somebody with that big black body yeah. that mm-hmm. that Ving Rains had. I was trying to get away from that a little bit, but I couldn't. Yeah, I just couldn't find anybody that couldn't. It's fine. Uh, my only and this is just my this is my problem, not most people's problem. <laughs> is I've seen him so much as Terry in Brooklyn Nine Nine, who is just this sweetheart. Mm-hmm hilarious kind of guy that I don't I, I, I have such a problem seeing him as a badass villain you know he's not he's like a convict he's Terry Crews he's a fucking yeah. he's like the well, he's the sweetest guy in the world <laughs> he also he played a convict in the longest yard sure um, even though he was quirky because he was like the cheeseburger dude or whatever yeah <laughs> but I can I can I see I see where you came from with that sure. I'm totally fine with that because I know Terry Crews uh, one is an actor and you know can act like he's the bad guy so I'm I'm all for that no John typecast every actor ever that's my rule <laughs> and maybe had I and I'll be for some minute I have watched Luke Cage so maybe had I seen Luke Cage maybe I would have known who you guys were talking about and maybe okay. that would have come across it's as a, one of my options it's a good show it is a, it's a good, it's show. A good show absolutely the, the season one is I, just, I haven't gotten into any of those yeah, I haven't gotten into any of those little, like, Marvel spin-offs. All right, I remember really. that. Daredevil. Fucking watch Daredevil. Seasons 1, oh, 2, and 3 season. are phenomenal. Not even just good. Yes, They're some of the best one. shit when it comes to Marvel properties, period. I'm not even fucking joking. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those... Um, season 1 of... Uh Jessica Jones was Ugh. super good. It's Ugh. it's different than a regular superhero one. It's a lot darker. It's a little bit more yeah. psychological. The f- Adam, I think Adam and I agree. The first half of Luke Cage yes. was immaculate, and then it, it got a little bit weird towards yeah. the end. It got, it got, um, the thing is, it, it got okay. It wasn't bad, but you're right. That first, yeah, you're right. The first half was like perfection, and then it kind of goes like, oh, wait. I didn't like where it went. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we won't talk about the other one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> although, although, really, my only issue, my only issues with that was really the main Iron Fist. Yeah, the actor he was a bad, call, like, bad casting. The, the the side characters in in that show were pretty good. All right, we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> yeah. uh, where are we? Malloy, Agent Malloy, Adam. Yeah, you need a, a guy who could, I think, play an asshole. Obviously, as I said, I typed in people who can play assholes. Um, I did want to mix up um, a lot of the kind of quote unquote 
hero slash police side was a lot of white people. And so I did want to kind of mix that up. Um, doesn't have to be all white people because they're assholes in every race. Uh, and so I picked it. <laughs> I picked somebody who I do think can play a pretty good asshole. He's got a kind of good mean mug look to him. Um, he's a good actor in general. Uh, I think we saw him. Was it mostly on? I think it was Hawaii Five O. Uh, he's in plenty of stuff. I want Daniel Day Kim as my agent Malloy. Okay. Yeah. I like Daniel Day Kim. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I think I mostly know him for playing like. Isn't he like been in a lot of medical dramas? Uh, he is. I mean, he's been in Lost. He's been in a bunch of. Different See, I stuff. never watched Lost because yeah. it never appealed to me. But okay, okay, I know him. Yeah, yeah. but he's got he's got he was he's Hawaii, got a good mean Hawaii mug. I, was, honestly, it was like the mean mug more than anything else. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I totally see it. Okay, take it. I was to say, oh, he was in Hellboy, not that Hellboy. He was in the wrong, the Hellboy. wrong, yeah, the crappy Hellboy. Sure. Okay, cool. So, I. Decided to stick with an Irishman. Okay. Since uh, my la- the last guy was an Irishman, I decided to stick with an Irishman um, who uh, honestly is best known for playing an asshole. Uh, I went with Peter Baelish himself, Aiden Gillen. That's a good call. That's a really good call. Yeah. Absolutely like I've, that. I've seen him play. Actually, in The Dark Knight Rising, he kind of plays an agent at the very beginning. Of course, he gets killed like right out of the gate, mm-hmm. but... I, I think he makes a really good asshole, so yeah. having him as an agent or something I think works. He does. He's a good yeah. asshole. I love him from the... I just always want to shout out The Wire as well. Fantastic. Still never seen that show. Yeah, you should. Uh, all right, Steven. I, I went with a, uh, <coughs> a douchebag from <laughs> Entourage, our good old Chicago native, Jeremy Piven. I love that. You see, I love... <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. Fucking love that call. Like, I don't think you could have... I mean, we all picked great great actors, and, I mean, but Jerry Piven in Entourage, and, I mean, even after Entourage. Yeah. But I think out of the three of us, I think you picked the most over-the-top yeah. actor. And I think yeah. I think that works the best here, though. Yep. Agreed. I, in this type of film, that kind of over-the-top acting is going to is gonna work the best. Yep. So I, yeah. I, I agree with Adam. I think you pretty much nailed it on that one. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You won. You won, Agent Malloy. Good for you. <laughs> After the past two picks, yeah. where they were okay, <laughs> I came back and swung on. As well, swung yeah, on run. Hey, uh, all right, Agent Larkin, Adam. All right, uh, my Agent Larkin is not a huge name. He's not a Cusack level name. He, he probably should be. There's some other. There's some other guys who I think you know would probably Hollywood would pick the other guys. Um, but I did pick again. I I didn't want my leads and my heroes to only be um, kind of more kind of white guys. I will throw out the names, and maybe you guys picked them, maybe you didn't. Joseph Gordon Levitt was the first person I thought of um, for Larkin. I think he fits great. Miles Teller also fits very great. But again, we've kind of seen him in that kind of stuff, and I I, I do not fault any picks of them because they're both great choices. Um, I went with an actor. He had done some action in the more recent Black Adam. I hadn't haven't seen that. I'm probably not going to see that because I don't give a fuck about Shazam. I don't give a fuck about Black Adam. Um, but he has done also acting in Hidden Figures, a um, bunch of stuff pretty recently, and he's been acting for a good little bit. Um, his name is Aldous Hodge, and so he has done some action at least, and so I thought maybe he could fit into this one, but I kind of wanted to give... Um, he's a he's a black actor, and he looks good. He looks good. He looks like he could be uh, a, like a special agent type, so that's why I got him. I gave him this role. I also have not seen 
uh, Black Adam. Yeah, but uh, I have hey, thoughts. He looked he looked good as Hawkman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least he, from what I see. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Yes, I thought it was a crappy DC movie because DC doesn't know how to make superhero <laughs> movies yet. Um, but I just feel like it was a good movie, and Aldous Hodge was awesome as Hawkman cool. in that movie. Like it, he was so good. Maybe because I had just finished watching rewatching Smallville that I had it fresh in my head. Mm. But okay. yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was well, that's good Adam, to hear he was, that he was solid as Hawkman. He was in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Well, he played like Danny Glover's kid. <laughs> I'm pretty oh, sure okay. that's what he. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the role he played. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Oh wait, no, Danny Glover's not in that movie. I think he played um, Sam Jackson's kid or something like that. He was a small. He was. Oh, okay. He was. I'm pretty sure small he role. was like ten years old at that role. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So I uh, went with an actor who's uh, been making waves over the last mm, maybe not eh, 10-ish years. But Adam, I, I went back to the well of the Netflix Marvel show. I went with Charlie Cox. Oh, yeah. My agent Larkin. I, and he is an actor. I want to see him in more things. I want to see him leading and being like, you know, one of like the top, um, you know, headliners in more stuff because I, I loved him as Daredevil. And Steven, you should watch Daredevil. <laughs> I did watch. I did watch most of the first season. I will right. say that. And it was really good. Yeah. I just didn't. I got off track and just forgot to get back to it. And just never got back. You know it. what? Sometimes it happens. Sometimes you get sidetracked in the middle, in the middle of yeah. a show run and you just. It, it, you can't find your way back sometimes. Mm-hmm. I get it. So I do want to get back into that because that it was it was really good when I was watching okay, it. Yeah. So, uh, all right, your agent Larkin, sir. All right, my agent Larkin, big name, big splash. Um, Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah. Introduction. <laughs> oh, sorry, he says splash. <laughs> I I thought just... He's best known currently for his role as John Wick, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Again, like I said, I mean, when you mentioned Joseph Gordon-Levitt, though, I kind of was like, I kind of actually want to switch to Joseph Gordon-Levitt because I feel like he could be a, a, a better role than in that role yeah. than Keanu. I agree. I think I think Keanu would only be involved if he was Poe. Yeah, I could see yeah. that better more, yeah. 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 So I would go with Joseph Gordon-Levitt because he didn't even come to mind when I was thinking about this, this role. So. Okay. We'll, we'll let you backdoor that. Sure. In. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, Cyrus the virus, Adam. I don't know. I don't know why I said it like Cyrus that. Cyrus the virus. Uh, yeah, Cyrus. I thought a couple different people, and honestly, one of the names I considered was Michael C. Hall. I had Dexter on the brain, and so I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, he was intelligent. He was very menacing and serial killer like. You know, but would he have been a better Garland? Maybe because he had some similarities to that. Sterling K. Brown, I thought was a is a fantastic actor. Mm. Um, he has done some kind of villain stuff before, and I think he would be good. I ended up going with a guy who has played a solid villain in a movie that is fun, kind of campy, but fun action as well. And I want to I want to keep the cheese. This movie, if I'm going to remake it, I'm going to keep the layers of cheese. Um, he's not a cheesy actor by any means, but he has done comedy action before. And I think he could play. He plays a good villain. I went with Ed Skrine as my uh, Cyrus the Virus. He played Ajax in the first Deadpool movie. Where's Francis? Exactly. He played Francis. <laughs> That's a, he's a, he makes a great villain. Yeah, yeah. And that was also was the was the original Dario Naharis. Yeah, in Game exactly. Of Until yeah, he left. I think probably for Deadpool or something, and then they had the other guy, which honestly was 
probably the smarter move. I think so. I think so. That other, they, literally, um, Dario kind of really became nothing. Like he was kind of a worthless character. Yeah, yeah honestly. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm not, I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world, but I I do like Ed Screen, and I I think he does make a good villain. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, John Malkovich was too good for this movie. <laughs> sure. So I immediately set out to find another actor who I thought would be too good for this movie. Um, and who also uh, was known for, uh, or at least known, had, had been known to uh, play good villains. Um, and I, hold on, it's the one I'm looking for. There's one specific one I'm looking for. How do I live without you? <laughs> I want to know. Dear God, I forgot how many movies this dude is How doing. do I breathe without you? I want to know how do I have a a so high? He's got the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't know what I don't know what I was looking for. Anyway, I went with Michael Shannon. Oh yeah, phenomenal actor. He is in the phenomenal range as an actor. Good villain. He played. Zod, I think, in the uh, uh, Superman, Man of Steel movie. So he's done villain stuff before. Mm-hmm. He's done creepy stuff before, yeah. I think, too. I can't I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But he has done, like, kind of serial killer creep. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, he would do very I think he well. Played, I think he played kind of an asshole in the shape of water, if I'm remembering correctly. I tried to watch it, but that movie really bored me. I didn't wa- I think my wife watched it, and I kind of, like, went in and out. Uh-huh. Kind of seeing it, but, like... Yeah, I, it it wasn't interesting me. Yeah, either. So, but but Michael Shannon, I think it's a fantastic actor. He is like, yeah, if you're gonna keep like a cheesy action movie, he is better than that. But he would do a great job. Yeah. Okay, uh, Stephen. I went with Michael Fast Fast Fastbender. He played. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, he played. He played Magneto in X Men First Class. Yep. And I think yep. this he has such great acting chops. Like he. Mm-hmm. He played, uh, he played Magneto, but he also was in Hamlet. Like the yeah, like, like right. the dude could be, and that's what I think of when I think of like Cyrus of Is like he's very uh, in tune with a lot of I'm trying to figure out how I want to put it. Like he's like he he knows how to act. I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, Inglorious Bastards. He was yes. in Three Hundred. That was the Inglorious Bastards is really kind of where we we first met him and yeah michael fassbender was like in that one he was great in that one yeah there is a there's a shakespearean that's uh, what I'm you know kind of thing with him and i think and there definitely is with with malkovich because he's done that as well and so i think that there is a good connection on that so good call yeah yeah i think it's a good call too uh all right our main man adam <laughs> put the bunny back in the box oh, putting the and bunny. tell us who your poe is yeah i try and i absolutely i looked the first thing i looked up was uh actors who have real southern accents because i didn't want to fake <laughs> shitty southern accent and that was what i typed up that's what i was looking into um and uh this actor i believe is from texas unless i am wrong and i am totally putting it up and oh, I'm wrong. He's not from Texas. He's from Alabama, from Greenbow, Alabama. Oh, Alabama. 
Alabama. <laughs> uh, no, he is from Coleman, Alabama. And so he very much knows a Southern accent and how it's supposed to sound. He has done action before and he can lean into the cheese because he has with things like 21 Jump Street, other comedic stuff. I think he fits as a Cameron Poe and he's a big enough name to lead a cheesy movie like this. I went with Channing Tatum. I don't hate that call. No, okay. I, don't hate I don't hate that call. I think I think uh I don't know. I don't I don't know that I've ever seen him talk with a southern accent. Not that that means anything. Sure. But you're right. He's he's a big enough name uh to do it. He's he's done enough comedic roles where he can kind of lean sure. into the cheese, if you will. You got to you got to take the role seriously, but you can just kind of lean into the cheese as an action flick, sure. which he's done plenty of those too. So, I'm uh uh, I'm perfectly fine with that. Cool. Yeah. I went with an actor who is not from the South, and I don't know if I would want him to try to do the cheesy Southern accent. I might. Or I might want him to use just kind of his native accent. But like Channing Tatum, um, he is known for action, and he's known for some pretty comedic roles. I just... I'm not sure how it would be with, uh, and I would want to see him with the long hair, <laughs> and I don't know how it would sound if he was talking with his full Bostonian accent. I went with Chris Evans. That was mine. Oh, yes! hey, y'all matched um, on that. America's ass. That's right, <laughs> America's ass. I I would probably I, veto this film if he's using a Boston accent, because I think Boston accents are fucking terrible, but <laughs> Chris Evans is someone who mixes comedy and action. He is fantastic at that, and I love him as an actor. I love him as a lead. I think that's a great call from y'all. You got to go with the long hair, though, right? Chris Evans yeah, with yeah. the long hair, like the pseudo well, the pseudo mullet. Exactly. He's got to be something different. Yeah, you can't have him yeah. be like, you know, yeah, he can't be Captain America. He's got to be that. I'd love to see him in, like, that kind of role. Yeah, that long yeah, hair. And I was trying to cool. find somebody that could be that hard ass but also had that sensitive side to them that Cameron sure. Pro right. ex- uh, exempted and also kind of sound weird but I'm trying to find someone that I feel like could shine in a wife in, in like a wife beater <laughs> fair <laughs> enough at Lunar Airfield there fair enough sure fair enough sure uh, that's good very good call. well that's a that was a fantastic ending sir I, I, I really appreciate that so I'm glad we had uh, at least we had one uh, matched up with you yeah all right, sir. Thank you so so much for joining us. Uh, do you got anything you'd like to uh, plug before we go? Um, yeah, my uh, wife and nephew—they have been doing food challenges for a while now, and we decided to start them up on YouTube. And they're doing—they're doing not too bad right now. But you can find them on YouTube as the Great Tasters. Awesome, Great Tasters. Well, that's that's make, a good uh, name. That's a good, yep, great. You can find them on, on, inst- on inst- Instagram and YouTube. Subscribed. Thank you. All right. That was our recasting of Con Air. Please join us next time for one of my favorite coming-of-age stories. It's called Angus from 1995. You may or may not know it, but I think it's fantastic, and I'm really excited to talk about it. And we're also going to discuss Life with Louie and recast Angus. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. like comic books? Me too. Hi, I'm John. Join me over at the Comics Underground podcast, where I invite guests to discuss their favorite comic books, graphic novels, manga, and more. Go to bfopnetwork.com for more info, or find me on your favorite podcatcher. I'll see you there.